and welcome to Twist Talks by Samantha Twist, where we talk about basically everything from careers, your home, relationships, health, and more. I cover just about anything you deal with in life. Hope you enjoy. Today we are talking with Alyssa Coleman, founder of The Productive Entrepreneur. She helps creative entrepreneurs, bloggers, influencers, and coaches ditch overwhelm and get more done. For those who don't know you, can you please give a little bit of background as to who you are? Yeah, for sure. So my name is Alyssa Coleman, and I'm a productivity strategist specifically for creatives and coaches. Um, And so I work with people to help them create a more um, productive business, but specifically putting foundations in place that allow people to have more time freedom and location independence, um, and of course, financial independence as well. I love that. And so I saw this post on your Instagram that I absolutely loved a couple weeks back about what productivity meant to you. And do you mind sharing a little bit about that for anyone who maybe didn't see that post? Yeah. So, I mean, I don't remember exactly everything that was in the post, but that was actually taken from um, a journal entry that I created a long time ago. And really what, you know, it was kind of expressing is that productivity looks so different to all of us. And to me, it looks a lot like, you know, being able to take a spa day in the middle of the week or mm-hmm. having the freedom to be able to, um, on a whim, take up a new creative project that I just like, you know, had a dream about and then woke up in the morning and thought, I need to create this. Um, or being able to take a random four day weekend road trip. Like these are the things that productivity mm-hmm. really you know, brings in my life and in my business. And it's really cool because I talk to so many entrepreneurs that their version of productivity looks like totally different than what I would think, you know, it's like taking a nap in the middle of the day or like, you know, these things that really like truly mean um, that you're running a business and a life that allows you to get everything done and accomplish those things that you want and like you're you're striving for in your business but also not just have you chained to your desk where you're like in here 24 7 you're like (laughs) your eyes only recognize blue light at this point (laughs) you like haven't seen the sun in weeks um you know like that honestly was my reality for a little while and once I sort of leaned into this more productive um rhythm it allowed me to see that it's not restrictive. It's actually like, it, it's so synonymous with freedom. Yeah. What was kind of the motivating things and how did you originally transition from before to a more productive lifestyle and want to share that with other people? Yeah. So it was based out of like pure necessity, <laughs> to be honest. Um, you know, I've never like been the type of person who, I would never have called myself a productive person like growing Mm -hmm. up. I was a serial procrastinator. I was always that person that put things off till the last minute. Um, And I really like thought of being productive as something that was really constrictive and restrictive and like this kind of like masculine energy, just like hustle, like very rigid type of thing. Um, but when I started running my own business, I realized really quickly just how much you really need to be mindful of your time and to be productive. Otherwise, especially as an entrepreneur, like you could work all day and night. If you like what you're doing, it's so easy to just like have your, your work lead into your life and you're at your desk all the time. And your brain is always thinking about, you know, your next project or whatever. Um, and 
So I realized that I really needed to be more intentional about how I was working. Um, And so that kind of took me down this rabbit hole of figuring out, all right, what does productivity look like? And as I was doing that, I kind of like, I came up against a lot of this very old school uh, model of productivity mm-hmm. uh, is how I kind of describe it. And it was very based around like the corporate world and about like getting more done every day and just like trying to squeeze as much as possible into a nine to five. Yeah. And it was like designed to get your employees to just like do more every day. Right. Mm-hmm. This is not what I'm after. This is not like the answer that I'm looking for. I want to actually get more done, but I want to work less hours. <laughs> like, where's that? I thought, you know, yeah. that's what I really wanted. And so I started really like dissecting all of these different productivity hacks and tricks and tweaks and like philosophies that a lot of them I just think are outdated and don't actually match the kind of the modern entrepreneurial lifestyle. And especially like, you know, I work with a lot of um, younger people or like millennials and we very much value our freedom. And so to most of us, like, just working more it's just like that's not fulfilling and nobody it doesn't sell so so yeah I started to figure out like what does that look like for me and how do I lean into that and that's kind of where um I created this sort of hodgepodge of all these different techniques and strategies that I'd been learning and I really didn't think it was working for a long time until one day I realized that I had made it to this 5 p.m yoga class which I like Mm -hmm. had not done in like you know, forever. And I actually like during the class had this like panic moment. And this was my like aha moment because the teacher said like, thanks for coming out to the 5 PM flow or like whatever she said. And I was like, Oh, I'm missing something. I like my, my, my stomach dropped. I thought for sure. I was like forgetting something. There's no way I could be here at five. I thought this was a 7 PM class. Like what's going on. Um, but I realized like quickly as I was like, you know, trying to focus on yoga that no, actually everything was done. Like you're totally fine. I was like, okay, something's working. And so from there, you know, I've kind of streamlined the process and it looks a lot different than it did that day. But I realized that I'd kind of stumbled upon something that can work in the modern um, entrepreneurs like framework. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Because especially comparing it to the past where it's like trying to get as m- even more done in a nine to five, that's not really the right. priority anymore to most people. Right. Mm-hmm. So I love that. What do you think the first steps are to changing the habit so that you can become more productive? So one of the first things that I think you really do have to do is switch your perspective on what productivity or structure really means. Um, That was really the the biggest thing for me because I resisted that, especially as someone, if you're like a creative person or you think of yourself as like a free spirit, the idea of having structure and not being able to just do whatever I wanted whenever I was inspired by it was like, I felt like I was being suffocated and I was like, there's no way I can do this. Um, and what I, what I learned and what the shift that I've had in my life is that actually having some sort of, um, framework structures, they actually are kind of like a support system rather than like a cage. (laughs) So I always say it's like the safety net around the trampoline. It's not like caging you in there, but when you have the safety net, you are able to be more creative, to try more stuff. And you, you're able to actually do more, um, it's not just like this cage that's kind of like holding you in and making you like do what, you know? Um, And the thing is, one of the big perspective shifts that I had to have as well is like, I'm the boss. So I create 
the safety net. Like I'm the one who creates these parameters of like what I really want myself to be doing or I want my business to be doing. Um, and so it, it is this kind of like power dynamic that you have to <laughs> address within yourself. And once you do, then these other things can start to become so much easier. So things like putting into place a really productive calendar, having mm -hmm. something that you then commit to, but you can have the most beautiful calendar in the world, but if you're not committed to actually doing the things that you put a you know, in front of yourself, or if you map out your calendar in a way that's completely unrealistic, it's not going to work. And so that's why I do think like the perspective has to change on it first. And that was the hardest thing. And after that, then all of the system structures, automations, you know, they kind of do the work for you as long as you, mm -hmm. you let them. Oh, that's great. Do you think it's more of like people not committing to their schedule or a worry about structure that causes most people to fall or like not follow through originally or what do you think the biggest stumbling block for that is I think the two are really tied together so a lot of times I'll see people do one like a few different things either they'll have no calendar and they just kind of write everything in their notebook and they have no concept really of how long things take them in their business and, and in their like day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. so they allow themselves to be really distracted by okay now I got to check in with my Facebook group or someone dm'd me and the day kind of gets away from them yeah. that's one side but then there's the other type of entrepreneur who will put everything in their calendar in these like 30 minute little time chunks and they're going to do this and then finish this and then do that. And by the end of the day, they they've been so overwhelmed by how much is on their calendar and how little they've done that then they're like, you know, you start to feel behind and now you're stressed. And then you, by the end of the day, you've done nothing. And then you start being really hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. So I think you do have to like figure out your own rhythms and figure out um, what your tendencies are. And I am like the biggest, like, advocate for just giving yourself so much more time than you think you need because yeah. there's nothing better than being ahead of schedule like there's nothing better and so you end up getting that momentum um but once you're able to like put the things in your calendar that need to be there give yourself more than enough time then you're right there is this piece that you have to make a commitment and like me and my calendar are married <laughs> like whatever it says in my calendar that's the boss what's in there I do and like of course yeah like things happen and I'll maybe move something over to the next day or something like that um but there's always flexibility for that in my calendar and for the most part by the end of the week like if that thing that's in my calendar is not done I'm going to figure out a way to get it done because I know that as the boss I put those things in there um because I know that's when they need to get done in order for me mm -hmm. to hit whatever my target is or my goal or you know um in order to have the the effect that I want to have in my business yeah oh, I love that Alongside productivity, you also teach about launching an email list, right? Um, what do you think are some of your top pre-launch tips? Yeah, so I do talk a lot about like a productive launch strategy for because mm -hmm. for me, launching, it's like live launching itself is a really uh, productive strategy because what it allows you to do is to be able to have a sales period that's only you know, a couple weeks per quarter, and then you kind of come off the gas and you don't have to be selling all the time. And this is something that I think stresses a lot of people out, especially creatives, especially coaches. They're like, I want to talk about what I want to talk about. And then when I do make an offer, I want my calendar to be full, but I don't want to like every day be like, where's my next client going to come from? So I really am a huge advocate of live launching. I think it allows you to be so much more creative and productive. Um, and the best things that you can do pre-launch, there's two big things. Thing number one 
is growth. So figuring out how can you grow your community with a pre-qualified group of potential buyers for this specific program? So whatever you're currently launching, you need to be growing your community with a group of people who are pre-qualified to want that thing. Mm -hmm. Um, Because you might attract a whole different, like a bunch of different groups of people, which is totally fine. You got to make sure that your audience right now is tuned in to what you're about to offer. It's going to make your life so much easier. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing that you want to do before you ever even open the cart is some sort of nourishment to that audience. So you've grown these people that are now here, like in your house. And I think of it like, you know, bringing home like a house plant or something, you've brought Mm -hmm. in this like living thing, you need to take care of it. Um, And you need, it needs to start to like trust you and trust the environment. And so we really make sure that we have this process in place of getting your audience to understand you, to see if, um, you know, your philosophy really resonates with them. If your, Mm -hmm. um, your program that you're about to launch really resonates with where they're currently at, because sales is, you know, so much just about helping the people who are the right people for your program make that decision. Whether it's a yes or a no, it's your job just to help them make the decision. So you have to give them like, you know, a lot of those details. So we have a pretty like specific pre-launch strategy that allows us to make sure that we're talking to our audience about the right stuff before we ever even get into launching. But you definitely have to like figure out what's my thing and how do I show up for those people so that they feel nourished. (laughs) Where do you think it is that most people probably stumble or mess up with their launches? And then how can they fix that a little bit? Yeah, the, I, I think the biggest problem with launching, because launching does kind of get like a bad rap. Like there's a mm-hmm. lot of sort of like backlash about launching and people are like, I just want to have passive income. I never, or I, I've launched before and I hate launching and I never want to do it again. <laughs> um, I've heard that before and I, you know, no shade to passive income. I absolutely love that as well. Yeah. Active income is really like, it's a, the night sexy payday. And I think the reason that it gets this bad rap is because people try to launch in too short of a time period. So they say at the beginning of the month, I'm going to launch at the end of this month. And Mm -hmm. in my eyes, in my philosophy, that's not enough time. We give ourselves the whole quarter to prepare for the launch in a way that is very slow and deliberate and Mm -hmm. intentional rather than like within two weeks turning around and being like, we're making an offer. We want to get 30 people in, but you haven't grown. You haven't nourished. You haven't given yourself time to put together your um, launch material so that people Mm -hmm. actually know if it's a right fit for them. And that leads to being burnt out, but also not getting the results that you want from the launch, which then has you being like, you know, maybe feeling a little jaded or Mm -hmm. um, yeah, just like annoyed. And then and what happens after that is then I see people totally ghost because they're like, that was so much work. I didn't get the results I want. I'm kind of bummed out. And now I'm just going to like, I'm going under the radar and just like <laughs> I'm going offline. And then they come back because they haven't had any clients. And they're like, okay, I need to launch again really quickly. Um, and so it is like this like dangerous cycle that um, I think is really easy to fix just by giving yourself a bit longer of a lead time and having a launch strategy that you can recycle. So you should be able to use a lot of what you've already used each and every time. So every time you launch, it should get easier and you should have more data and you should be adding on to the launch rather Mm -hmm. than always launching something new where it's this like marathon that you have to quickly run, Yeah, (laughs) you know, in, in two weeks. And then one piece of advice that you have a freebie for is for your email campaigns and how to grow an email list. You talk a lot about that. 
Is that specific to a pre-launch campaign or does that have to do more with like everyday business? Like where do you see the best fit for people to have a good email list and email campaigns? Yeah, email marketing to me is like the number one thing that every entrepreneur should be focusing on. Like I love social media, but we make, I think, I think the stat is 70% more sales from an email than you can make from a social media post because it's the mindset of the buyer. And if you think about it, when we're on social, the whole purpose of that platform, let's say it's Instagram, Instagram's whole goal is for you to spend as much time as possible on Instagram. So they're really, yeah, they'll give you a swipe up. You got a link in bio, but they don't want you to leave Instagram. They're not incentivizing people to leave. Mm -hmm. And so, whereas with emails, that's kind of people's thing. You open an attachment, you click on this link, like that's kind of what we're doing in our inboxes already. So Mm -hmm. emails are just the best place to make sales and even to get people to watch what you're putting out on social media. So let's say you're posting IGTVs every week. If you're emailing people those IGTVs, they're that much more likely to watch them than they even would if they scrolled past it in their feed. Mm -hmm. So I think email marketing should be happening all the time and it should be part of your four phases. So when when I talk about growth, you should be growing your email list. When I talk about nourishment, you should be nourishing through your emails. Mm -hmm. But of course, during launch period, those invites, those offers, that course information should be going out to people through um, your emails. But also you can make sales between launches using email marketing as well, which I think you definitely should do. I love that. Yeah, I never even thought about how Instagram really wants you to stay on their platform. So that's really smart. Totally, right? (laughs) And like they have geniuses working on just like getting us to spend as much time as possible on these platforms. And I'm not trying to like take them on right now. So I'm like, all right, what can I do instead? Yeah. (laughs) To try and grow your email list, what do you think makes a good freebie? This is a great question because I actually see a lot of bad freebies out there. There's so many good ones, um, but there's so many that are unrelated. I think what makes a bad freebie is if it's unrelated to what your main offer is. So Mm -hmm. I highly recommend having like one offer that is just like so sexy. People know about it. You launch it maybe two or three or four times a year. People know about that thing. Your Mm -hmm. freebie should get people in the right mindset for that offer. So whatever your philosophy is, the freebie should pre-qualify them into that program. I see a lot of times people put out a freebie that's great and maybe super valuable for their audience. Mm-hmm. However, it you know, let's say you're um, a nutritionist for new moms who only have like such a short period of time, but your freebie is like, you know, five things not to buy at the grocery list or at the grocery store. Mm-hmm. It's not anyone could download it. It's not just moms getting it. Um, it it doesn't really help me if I'm low on time. And so Mm -hmm. it doesn't relate to what would be really great is if it was like the 10 minute meals for moms that you can keep in the freezer, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I would know for sure that anyone downloading that is the perfect person for my offer. So that's something that where I do see a big disconnect and then it does affect your numbers later on when you're looking into launching and you're like, all right, I've got, you know, let's say a thousand people on my email list and we know the industry standard of what the conversion rates for a thousand people are and people base their numbers on that but if that group of people is not the perfect person for your offer then those numbers are not going to be reliable and then it's like okay we got to start over we got to figure out who's the right person and who's who's not you know yeah that makes complete sense yeah that's really smart 
And so do you have any other ways besides freebies that you like to <laughs> grow your email lists? Yeah. Um, let me think about that. Freebies are the, really the best way, but we do yeah. it in a couple of different like ways. So you could have a, just like a free PDF. You could do a free mm-hmm. challenge. You could do a free webinar. You could offer free, um, you know, discovery calls or coaching calls or something like that. You could get people on your email list through a giveaway. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also do things like a content upgrade. So let's say you're putting out a blog post and it's this like recipe, they could also put in their name and email for the grocery list for that recipe or something like that, where it's just a small little thing. It doesn't take you as long as creating like your full freebie. That's like super, you know, cute and like super persuasive. It's just like a small little thing, but now we've got their email. They're in your ecosystem and you can nourish them and, and get them to understand your offer a little bit more. But yeah, there's so many ways and, and you can get creative with like, Okay, you know, for example, a giveaway, a lot of times it like just happens on social, you can get creative and think like, okay, how can I get them first on my email list, then get them to, you know, comment on the Instagram post or whatever it is. Um, But yeah, that's our number one goal pretty much all the time with anything we're creating is how do we then get them onto the email list so that we know we can get in touch with them because especially Mm -hmm. with the algorithm changes and like, you know, a lot of us lately have been seeing like our Instagram story views going way down. And maybe that was like the number one way you communicated with your audience before. What happened to all those people that were seeing your stuff? Like they just don't see it anymore. Mm -hmm. And so if you have their emails, you're that much more likely to actually show up in their inbox and maybe even get them to watch one of your stories. And then maybe you're back up in their feed again. So it does actually help like with social as well. I love that. And so you figured almost all of this out like through trial and error um yes <laughs> no I mean there's I've had mentors and stuff like that along the way but in terms of like the productivity side of things 100% and what what really you know helped us figure this out and by us I mostly mean <laughs> um you know now I have a team but back in the day I did not is we always came back to asking ourselves this question with every single thing that we were doing How can we do this in less time? And so for me, that looks a lot like automating most of what we're doing and really getting getting specific about, okay, let's say we do want to have a social media strategy. How can we do this in the least amount of time, but still have the most impact? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's a really important question that we always ask with everything that we're doing, because, you know, especially right now, like shiny object syndrome is like, so dangerous, right? There's so many things you could do. Like I'm on a podcast with you right now in the back of my mind that my entrepreneurial mind is like, maybe I should have a podcast, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it, it's with everything I do. I like take, watch a cooking video on YouTube and I'm like, maybe I need a YouTube channel where I, you know, cook and talk about productivity. <laughs> it's just like how we are. And so it's so important to always like come back to that question. How, you know, is this the most valuable use of my time right now? Um, and that really, you know, um, created our philosophy and our framework for creating productive businesses because it allows us to cut through all of the noise and always come back to is this going to get you the result you want as quick as possible so that you can do whatever the heck else you want with your time? (laughs) Yeah, I love that. If like present self could give tips to your past self, what would you tell yourself? Mm, I love that. Number one, I would tell her multitasking is a lie and you're not good at it. So stop pretending you are just get over it. (laughs) It's not real. Um, 
But I think what I would do is if I could go back, I would really commit to my calendar way sooner than I ever did. That's mm-hmm. something that I resisted for so long. And once I made that change, my entire business, you know, kind of fell into place after that. And so I would get, I could like just get baby entrepreneur Alyssa into Google Calendar and to make that commitment that I now have <laughs> with yeah. my calendar of like, whatever's in here, you just do. And when that happens, like, you know, you cut through all the limiting beliefs that come up or self-sabotage when you're like, well, I'm the boss. So who's going to know if I just like put it off till tomorrow or whatever. Um, you cut through all of that and end up actually hitting the goals that you want, because it's actually quite easy when you actually follow through on what you say you're going to do. Yeah. And so if people wanted to learn more, you have your website and your Instagram, you also offer coaching and mentoring, correct? Yeah. So I have, two things actually on the go. I have my signature program, which is called your most profitable quarter yet, mm-hmm. where we set up the foundation and the systems in your business. It's what I call the system of systems, <laughs> which like, I feel like is not the sexiest term, but it's what it is. Wow. just get into it. <laughs> um, but I'm also just opening up enrollment for the first time ever in the next couple of weeks to a program called lazy girls guide to launching. So if some of the like live launching stuff that we've been talking about is interesting to you. That is, I'm creating an entire course on how to create a repeatable, um, recyclable and scalable live launch system, um, Mm -hmm. in the next couple of weeks. So I'm really, really excited for, um, you know, for a group of people to go through that process. Awesome. I love that. Do you want to plug any socials so people can look you up? Sure. Yeah. You can find me, um, my website and my Instagram is at alyssacoleman.ca. Thank you so much. And I feel like I learned a lot. There's a lot I wouldn't have even thought about with email marketing that you just have so much expertise with. And I really appreciate you sharing that. Oh, well, thanks so much for having me. That was fun. Thank you for listening to Twist Talks. I hope you walk away from this episode knowing something new. You can find me at samanthatwist.com, Twist Talks on Instagram, or Samantha Twist on YouTube.